Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We began last week. We'll continue this week and next week in Ephesians chapter 5. We are in a, um, a short Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving study, a message series out of Ephesians chapter 5. And so um, we're going to continue with different pieces of um almost staying exclusively here in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, is one of those remarkable passages of Scripture, one of those banner you know, uh, passages, verses, verses 1 and 2, follow God's example as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, this passage of scriptures, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, is vital because I think Paul wants the church. This is, in a lot of ways, as I read Paul and the Apostle Paul's writings, I see Paul write um, to not only give instruction, to give information, to give reminders, but to give the church a place to anchor themselves. So much of the Apostle Paul's writing is to turn the church's focus back on to Jesus, to find their bearings, to anchor themselves into something. And for a, the, the, the letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, at least the way I understand it and read it, is that it is where the church can anchor themselves. They can be God's example because they are dearly loved children in the world to which God has created. Now, Paul has talked about in the book of Ephesians, in the letter to the church in Ephesus, vast uh, differences or struggles or things that they must overcome, that they're going to be those who live differently in a world that seeks something that is not of Jesus Christ. So Paul pushes the Christians to live differently, to be different kinds of people. And so Paul's anchor is to follow God's example, but it comes with caution. So jump over to Ephesians 5, verse 15. Because if you're going to follow God's example, you need to understand that you need to be very careful then how you live. You've got to be very careful with how you live. In order to be one who follows in the example of God himself as a dearly loved child of of the creator of all the universe, we've got to be people who are careful. Be very careful then in how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we pointed out with this particular passage last week is that if you want to know if you are able or that you are striving to live into the example that is God himself, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, as a dearly loved child. And if you're giving yourself opportunity to live in wisdom, to be careful with how you live, one of the outcomes of that is always giving thanks. It's a good litmus test. 
Because if you're able in all circumstances, all times, in all places, in the situations and with people and with circumstances that are beyond ideal, that perhaps are frustrating or infuriating, or perhaps they are, they are situations to which you wish nothing of for yourself or your friends or your family, but you're able to be a thankful person, that is a way for us to understand if we are living in wisdom, if we are following in the example of God himself. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Always giving thanks. If we can honestly assess to ourselves that I'm able to give thanks in less than ideal circumstances, then we can point back to Ephesians chapter 5 and we can at least begin to wrestle with or to affirm that we are following in the example of God. And always giving thanks. Being thankful in all places at all times is one of those areas, one of those, those, those places to which we can give ourselves, that we can evaluate who we are as one who's living wisdom or unwise. Ephesians 5 verse 15. And always giving thanks seems like a good idea until you... Don't want to give thanks, right? Always giving thanks is not simply a holiday to which the one we are on the precipice of. Giving thanks is life. It is posture. It is who we are as God's people. And so let's think about these three words for just a second. Always giving thanks. Always. Always. There are, no, there are no exceptions to the word always. It literally means always, in all things, at all times. And so always now becomes a way of life, of living. And giving is a choice to which we make. Giving is a choice. You don't have to give. You don't have to give something as straightforward or simple as grocery items, but you made the choice to give. And there, thanksgiving is not just a holiday. It's not just something you say from time to time or before a meal. It becomes a posture to which we, as God's people, following in the example of God himself, now live life. Always giving thanks is a life choice posture. It's not simply words. It's not something that, that is born out of, of a calendar or a moment or a holiday or a trip or around certain people. It is a posture. And a posture is where God's people are now stand ready, standing ready to always make the choice to be thankful even when the circumstances might call for something that's less than thankful. That we find thanksgiving in the moment, in the circumstances, in the situations with the people. Have you ever tried to force one of your children to apologize? You ever seen these apologies? Because you've done these too. Your parents had like, just remember that far back if you need to, right? The forced apology, right? I want you to go and apologize to your sister, right? And you know it's a forced apology because the shoulders are slumped, the walk's real slow. They come over and, you, you know, this is at least me oftentimes, like, I want you to give your sibling a hug. Hug them. Hugs. Sorry. Right? I actually thought about having two of my children come up and give you this example, but I thought that might be a little much for them. Um, so this forced apology, you know this, right? 
Being forced to do something has a completely different demeanor and posture, right? You kind of live it out differently. Thankfulness forced upon us, or if you're just told to be thankful because, well, it's the fourth Thursday of November or, you know, it's, a, it's right before meal, we're going we're gonna to give ourselves differently in that place. We're going to make that choice, perhaps because that's just what we do. It's habit, it's calendar, whatever it is. But if a posture of thanksgiving... Right? Have you ever seen someone give a genuine apology? You have. They're not slumping. They're not walking slow. There might be tears involved. There's genuine apology in their words. The hug is, is long-lasting because there's, there's forgiveness in the moment. Right? God's people who make the choice to posture themselves in thankfulness are people who are genuinely putting themselves into a place, despite the circumstances, to give thanks no matter what. Always giving thanks is an outcome of being one who lives in the example of God Himself. And following God's examples, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, comes with a caveat or comes with a warning. You've got to live life carefully then. If you want to follow in the example of God, you have to live carefully. And if you're going to live carefully, one way you can live that out is to work towards, is to strive for, is to posture yourself for thankfulness. Right? If you're going to be thankful, always giving thanks, then you're one who's living wisdom and careful with their life choices. And if you can say that you are living carefully, and there's more to the text that get that, but if I'm breaking this down a little bit. If you're living carefully as a wise person, not as an unwise person, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, then you are one who follows in the example of God as a dearly loved child. Thanksgiving is a choice, and we have to be very careful in how we live. And I think Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, 15 and 16, gives us an example of what that can look like. And so I want to pay attention to this one that I've highlighted right here. Be very careful. If we're going to be people who are thankful, posturing ourselves in thankfulness, then we have to make the most of every opportunity. Now, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Why, Paul? Because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity, according to Paul, is one way to live out wisdom and connection so that we can be thankful in our posture, in our life choices, in everything, in all circumstances. Making the most of every opportunity. That phrase sticks out to me. It almost seems uh, kind of um, squeezed in there, right? When you kind of think about this for just a moment, I think that has a lot to do with how we view making the most of op every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Um, was, you ever been the main event? Or it was putt-putt when I was a kid. You ever gone to arcade? Right now... When I take the kids to the arcade, they just give you a card and you swipe the card to play all the games. And my kids, they only want to play games where there's tickets involved. And now the tickets are all on the card, right? Because if you play certain games, you earn tickets and you can take all those tickets to the store at the arcade. And then you can redeem the tickets 
And then you can get, you know, like two Tootsie Rolls or something like that, right? Right, so here's what I've noticed about this. Is one, um, my children, they, they, they narrow down the gaming area based on the tickets, right? And then as they get involved in the games, they will play the certain games that they feel like or have had the best chances to get the most tickets. But here's what I've noticed. It doesn't matter if they've got 500 tickets or 40 tickets. It's never enough tickets. Never enough. You ever been in one of these arcade stores? It's never enough. Everything is too much, too many tickets. It's never what you want. And even if they have 500 tickets, what they want is 700 tickets. They've never gotten there with their tickets. And so what we've done is, is, is we have kept with our childish mentalities as people so often, is that we live life, as we go through life, we live life thinking that we're going to keep collecting our tickets and we will redeem them for good things down the road. But it doesn't seem like those tickets are ever enough. See, making the most of every opportunity, if we have that kind of mentality, that we can just keep earning, keep playing, keep gathering, keep getting, keep going, keep getting. If we can make the most of every opportunity just to level up or to get something out of this, the, the proverbial store, Making the most of every opportunity doesn't seem to fit here. It seems to be very careful with how you or what games you play or how you live. Being very careful with how you live or, and, and who you are as a wise or unwise person, making the most of every opportunity can lead directly to thanksgiving. And here's why. Because the word that Paul uses more accurately describes purchasing or redeeming. Buying up, rescuing. Paul use a very, uses a very common first century word about purchasing or buying slaves in particular in the Roman world. And he uses this word a couple of times in Ephesians and in Colossians to use as a way of, of describing what it looks like to purchase or to buy up something more than property or, or estate. The purchase to which Paul is talking about is you make the most of the opportunity. You redeem to which what you have. And Paul uses this example as one who's be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the moments that are before you. Why? Because the days or the time is evil. Paul is seeking God's people to make the most of their opportunity by being people who redeem the time. Who redeeming the time before them aren't seeking more tickets. They are seeking to be God's people in the moment, in every moment, all circumstances, all situations, all people. Someone who comes to the moment and says, I will purchase this moment for the glory of God himself. Redeeming the time. Which leads me to thinking, how do we use our time? How do you use your time? If you're anything like me, it's probably poorly. I was thinking about this. This is kind of how my brain works. But if we're going to be people who redeem the time, make the most of every opportunity, we can think of time as a pie chart, right? 
so much time in the day and this, this pie is going to be broken down into different ways for different people, depending on where we are in our seasons of life or with our family life or with the, with the place that we are as, uh, as people. Um, on average, and this is, this is how it works, and your pie looks a little different, but on average, people sleep eight hours a day. On average, Americans are at work eight and a half hours a day on average. 18 minutes a day on average are spent cleaning up. 34 minutes a day are spent on cooking and preparing meals. And so now you can visually start to put your time pie, right? All these different slices are starting to take up these different times. And by my calculations, we are close uh, to um, 20 hours. This next slide gives a couple of things that I want to make this, this general point to. On average, we spend 51 minutes grooming, showering, getting ready, hair, makeup, whatever. Grooming. Five hours and 16 minutes on leisure time. Now we're well past 20 hours of our day. And 18 minutes on religious activities. That could be reading scripture, going to church. That could be uh, praying, anything that you might put into that category fits there religiously, right? I know every day is different, and I know all of our schedules are different, and the pie breaks up differently, but the point to which I was overwhelmed with this week when I was reading Ephesians 5 once again was, is we don't have a lot of wiggle room. Generally, we are people with very little time to redeem and the time that we do have to redeem, that leisure time, is spent either on our phones or on watching TV, is most of that category is eaten up with. And so I started thinking about if I'm going to be, a, 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 if I'm going to be God's person who, who follows in the example of God as a dearly loved child, I've got to be careful with how I live. And part of that is going to be how I redeem the time in my schedule. Now, there are things, each of our schedules, that we have to do. We have to sleep, right? We, we have to go to work. There are hours of the day to which we have to take care of that they're going to be eaten up. But I'm wondering what would happen if God's people, if I would start redeeming the time that I can control. What would happen if for five hours and 16 minutes a day, instead of scrolling around on my phone, I was one who was conscious of the time that was around me, and instead of redeeming my tickets for a Tootsie Roll, I was one who was redeeming my time for the glory of God in the moment. What would happen? What would be different? You see, we have all kinds of excuses and we see, we see things differently and we move around differently and we say, oh, I'm tired and this and that and I'm just as guilty as any other person, but we have to be careful with the time that we split up. See, being careful of one who follows in the example of God is being someone who is seeking wisdom and, and the, the example as a dearly loved children. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 means we have to be careful with the time to which we have to redeem. And here's the truth. This is the hard part. Is we all have some time to redeem We all have some time 
to purchase back, not for the Tootsie Roll, but for the glory of God Himself. We all have that time. But what does it look like to move ourselves into a place where we are not just giving thanks, we are living it in the moment because we are careful and we are purchasing and we are buying up every opportunity to be God's people. And I love that phrase. The most literal translation from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 is buy up every opportunity because the days are evil. What opportunities are you buying up, seizing, purchasing, redeeming with your tickets, your time that you have? Where are you recognizing that God's glory is, pre- is present and it is relevant and it is real in your day? Where can you purchase back, redeem the time, buy up every opportunity of, of being with God in thanksgiving? Oh, this Thursday is one of my favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving, and we were just talking about this at dinner. I think most of my family, they could you know, get us right to Christmas, right? I, I get it. I, I, I have some very fond memories of Thanksgiving as a child. I love Thanksgiving food. If you offered me Thanksgiving food every day, I'd probably take it. That's, that's how much I like it, right? I get some really good meals this next week. And so that's part of it too. But I get to see some family I usually don't get to see uh, typically and those kinds of things. And so there's a lot that goes on with it. And this Thanksgiving is a, is a really holy holiday in a lot of ways because it encourages us to do these kinds of discussions and studies. It encourages us to be people to not only think about what it means to give thanks, but it, it allows us to encur- be encouraged and challenged to be people who live out thankfulness beyond a holiday. Um, Friday of this week is the worst day of the year. There are no, there are no more uh, uh, two days back-to-back that are in stark contrast of each other than Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Black Friday is bad. I, uh... I did something that I don't really necessarily recommend. I went on the Reddit and started finding Black Friday stories. And so I got a couple of snippets to kind of contrast this for just a moment. These are quotes from different uh, people who've experienced Black Friday shopping. One of our male customers, the quote is, one of our male customers hit another male customer upside the head with a crock pot. What were they fighting for? A crock pot. And, the cro- and both customers had to be dragged out of the store by police. That sounds like a really nice Thanksgiving, doesn't it? Another quote. There was a sale. Dollar towels. This guy jumped into the towel bin and he literally growled at anyone who tried to get a towel. He claimed every towel for himself. And just one more of these. Quote, someone punched a security guard in the face because they thought he was a customer skipping to the front of the line. He was just walking to the door to start a shift. Thanksgiving 
is a day of family, friends, and uh, being together, seeing those maybe you don't see. It is an opportunity for us as people to literally give thanks for all the people and times and opportunities we have in life, and we immediately rip it away so that we can go and fill our shopping carts. Someone tell me how these two days are not in stark contrast of one another. One day is holy, it is pure, it has good intention, and another day puts us into a mode to redeem all the tickets we have so that we can get more. Thankfulness is a posture to which God's people put themselves not to fill their carts, but to fill their souls with Jesus himself. And we have to be conscious of how we are redeeming our time. I love you, Grandma. The pie was great. Now I'm going to go stand in line for four hours. There is a contrast here that has to be reconciled by God's people. Because if we're going to buy back every opportunity for the name of Jesus Christ, we have to be people who are not willing to, to live out or be a part of opportunities to fill our cards, but to be people who are buying back the glory of God. We are living out thankfulness in our life. I love a good deal. I love a good deal. But I love Jesus more. I love 40% off, but not if it's going to take 40% off my spiritualness. The season to which we look is a holy season. And I'm asking this because Paul asks this in Ephesians chapter 5. Be very careful. And I think this is an applicable passage of Scripture for God's people who are seeking not only good food on Thursday, but people who seek good deals on Friday. We've got to be people who redeem the time for the glory of God, not for the shopping cart. So be very careful, church, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Buy up every opportunity. Purchase with every moment. Redeem the time before you because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, and maybe we can make this a more applicable verse 18, and the Travis International Version might say, don't get caught up into a Black Friday sale. Verse 18 is where our hope is. There is an alternative. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's why we're here. That's why we gather into a school cafeteria. We come here not to fill our bellies or to fill our shopping carts. We come into this place to fill our souls with the Spirit of God Himself. And we don't come here to make ourselves feel good. We, may, we come into this, this place because we believe that we will be filled with the Spirit of God Himself. There is an alternative. 
Paul says, if you're going to live carefully, if you're going to live as a wise person, if you're going to follow in the example of God, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, then you will give thanks in all circumstances. Your posture in life will be different, and you accomplish that. You work towards that. You make that a reality by the alternative of being filled in your soul with the Spirit of God. So this morning, we now turn our attention to the Lord's table. The table of grace, the table of hope, the table of good news. We have purposely built our time together this morning so that Ephesians chapter 5 would lead us into the Lord's invitation at His table. We come to this table to not only remember, but to proclaim. They come to this table to be careful with who we are and what we do outside of this place. We come to this table to be filled with the Spirit of God Himself. There is an alternative. You know why we do the Lord's Supper? You know why we take communion every week? You know why we do this? You know why this is a centerpiece of our gathering as God's people? It's because it's an alternative to the mess that is out there. This table gives us opportunity to be filled with the Spirit of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we proclaim that with bread and juice this morning. Brent, let's sing a song as we prepare our minds for the Lord's table.